Well, everyone, welcome back to the Two Dudes Rank Tunes podcast. I'm Bradley Cooper. And I am Curtis Cooper. It's time to return to the battlefield today. Yeah, we're talking about Sabaton. This is the second time we reviewed Sabaton. And it's, I was actually just thinking about this. This is the third band now that we've done more than one album for. Can you guess what the hey. other two were, Curtis? <laughs> I'm going to go with Disturbed and Hollywood Undead actually, for 2000, Alex. Actually, so make that four then, because Rise Against is also in there. So Hollywood yeah. Undead. Rise Against, Disturbed, and now Sabaton. <laughs> and specifically, we have we have done two full albums for uh, Rise Against, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we did um, Endgame and uh, Suffer in yeah. the Witness, yep. so yep. two classic albums. But we're getting back to another interesting album because this is the last album of our first album. It's is expanded beyond month at this point, but first album period. <clears throat> and it is Primo Victoria. So, for those who don't know who's, what Sabaton is, Sabaton is a power metal band that tent- focuses mainly on singing songs about military history. So, fun for all the nerds in the room. Uh, Curtis, what was your introduction to Sabaton, just for listeners who may not know? This is perfect, because um, we're going to go ahead and start talking about Primo Victoria, because that was my introduction to Sabaton. Ah, um, really? I actually found them the exact same way I found um, Firewind and mm-hmm. I Am the Anger on that old like iTunes radio station that I had. And mm-hmm. I think it was this. It might have been the same radio station where it was just like random like metal songs. And mm-hmm. uh, Primo Victoria, I just started playing. And I was like, this is unique compared to this other power metal stuff because like it's still power metal. Mm-hmm. Joachim's voice is so unique and the cadence of their songs is so unique that it really stands out. Yeah, I agree. Cause power metal can get a little repetitive sometimes when they all oh, have yeah. kind of that same energy. Whereas this one, I mean, and Joachim himself has admitted because he's not really classically trained, his voice is kind of something he came up with on his own. So it really yeah. stands out. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I mean, singing about history isn't necessarily new, but the way they sing about it, and they kind of, they keep a very, a very almost like storyteller vibe, where they're just telling like, here's some cool stories about stuff that happened. Yeah. And this is their first album, which this one, so we'll get into it, but this one is definitely different than some of their other albums, because they cover a much wider, like, time period. Because They throw a lot of darts at the board. Yeah, because normally Sabaton is like their World War II, World War One, and occasionally they do some other random stuff. This one mm-hmm. is a little different. So let's start with Primo Victoria. So for our listeners' benefit, I'm first, the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to give a little history tidbit because all these songs yeah. are about historical events. So this describes an event most people know about, which is D-Day. Now what's let's know about, let's, let's establish some context here. So World War II starts 1939, right? Well, in June mm-hmm. 1940, the Nazis completely overrun France, which shocked everyone. And af- ever after that, the Western Allies really hadn't been able to get a good forward base in Europe. And the so now, meanwhile, on the other side of the continent, the Soviet Union was fighting the Germans, and they had actually pushed them quite a far distance back. So 1944 starts, right? So the Allies know they need to land in France and do something. But the plan for D-Day had to be done very carefully, as there was a big chance the Allies would just get crapped on the beaches and slaughtered. 
So they carefully planned a deception campaign to make the Nazis think they were landing elsewhere at Calais. And they even created a fake army complete with inflatable tanks and cardboard soldier cutouts. <laughs> that is so good. Yeah. So that, that's, so that's the context. They land on June the 6th, 1944. It goes well on most of the beaches except for Omaha, which Shaving Private Ryan goes into that. But if this mm-hmm. is sort of the moment that most people think of when they think of World War II, like this is, yeah, this is almost the turning like, point. Yeah, the turning point. But also, I guess this is almost like America itself's proudest moment. Yeah. You know? But what do you think of the song, Curtis? Yeah, I think that um, it's a great opening to the album. It's a really good introduction to Joachim's voice, especially because like his voice is isolated in the beginning without mm-hmm. instrumentation so you literally are introduced to like this powerful yet like raspy voice yes that is just his growls are awesome yeah and just the way the enunciations are really good and i love how mm-hmm. the riffs kind of sound like they're marching that really yeah. fits the song yeah my favorite lyric is in the bridge when we all chant at the at the uh, concert, six of June, nineteen forty-four, allies are turning the war. Mine had to be the first verse through the gates of hell as we make our way through our way heaven, through, heaven, through the Nazi, Nazi lines. lines. <laughs> yeah, uh, so good. Yeah, it's just What'd a solid it? song. I gave it a nineteen. I thought this was a really good yeah. song. I gave it an eighteen. Certified yeah. banger. Certified banger except no substitutes but then like okay so it's interesting how we go from primo victoria to now we're talking about saddam hussein we're talking about desert storm yeah desert storm so this and yokim actually admits this that nowadays they try not to write about songs that are too modern i think Mm. part of the reason for that is they don't want to get in trouble as much because if they're writing songs about modern conflicts there's way more opportunities for controversy Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is about the Gulf War where Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and was subsequently crushed by a coalition of 34 countries. And it's George H. Bush's shining moment. Oh, man. (laughs) Yeah. And side note here, and Sabaton actually points this out because they have a website that lists the history of all the songs. And they said, Mm -hmm. now, Hussein had previously invaded Iran and was supported by the United States. So you see how kind of the tables turn with politics. Mm -hmm. So, oh yeah, but, and like always some betrayals going on. Yeah. What'd you think of Reign of Terror, Curtis? Yeah, um it uh it's definitely a bit of a step down from the energy of Primo Victoria, but it, it is a really solid song. I really like the speed of the bridge because it kind of like yeah. gains some of that energy back. Mm-hmm. I like the riffs in it. I think they have a really good bass line in it. Mm-hmm. And my favorite lyric was slave to the power, slave to the gold, ruthlessly ruling in the east. Mm, mine was night time prime time oh that was legacy of crime that was good i can just see it we now interrupt this broadcast for night time prime time time. (laughs) yeah it sounds a bit different than other sabaton songs like early sabaton has a different sound it's a little it does hit different Mm -hmm. so any other thoughts on this one um i thought it was solid i gave it a 14 I gave it a 12. I thought it was solid, too. Mm-hmm. But then, <laughs> moving moving on to Panzar Battalion, like, this is literally a sequel to Reign of Terror. I know, like, and this is weird because this song, this album came out, I believe it was 
2005, so not long after, like, Desert Storm began. Yeah. Like, this is real fresh. Yeah, like, two years later. Like, this is is before even, like, really the operation, quote-unquote, wrapped up. So the Iraqi war was still ongoing. So I don't think this one needs too much introduction because uh, it's about when America invaded Iraq when George Bush initiated Operation Iraqi Freedom. And this was part of the Bush Doctrine, which aimed yeah. to defeat democracy, defeat, defeat democracy. That <laughs> defeat was the democracy. Defeat terrorism by spreading democracy. And just, just a few numbers here. This launch in 2003, it would drag on until 2011, where Obama officially ended it. But then the U.S. had to get involved again in 2014 following the rise of ISIS. And I was curious, like, how Iraq is doing today. And it's kind of a mixed bag today in Iraq. Like, some people say it's mm-hmm. better, and, but there was a lot of suffering that came about as a result of this. Yeah, and a lot of misinformation going around about it, too. Yeah. So, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, um, this song, like, musically has more of, like, a Middle Eastern flair, which makes sense with the subject matter. I really mm-hmm. like the riffs. Yeah, the riffs are really solid in this one. Um I mean, it's hard, it's hard to beat the line of, uh, the, there's rivers of blood in our track beating their line of defense with our tanks. This is actually the first mm-hmm. Sabaton tank song. Yeah, it is. Uh, my favorite lyric was, feel our napalm burn. <laughs> napalm. Sabaton does get known for their tank songs, but I feel like Sabaton is also getting known for their sea songs, too. Yeah. They, a, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what score did you give the Panzer Battalion? I, I, lo- I liked it a little bit more than Reign of Terror. I gave it a 15. I gave it a 14.5, so very close. Nice. And that that's actually a good segue, because that leads us right into their first C song, which is Wolfpack. Wolfpack. Why don't you leave this down is, this it, one? It is about a German fleet of submarines, yes? Yes, yes. It's about the U-boats in World War II, and they sunk a lot of ships. And they did indeed, and they were nefarious and had the re- their reputation preceded them. Yeah. So some numbers, they built 1,162 U-boats during World War II, and they sunk a total of 3,000 Allied ships. So that's a, that's a pretty, to use some gamer terminology, that's a pretty good kill-to-death ratio, bro. <laughs> yeah, we're headshotting them, bro. <laughs> I feel like Sabaton, there's probably a lot of people listen to Sabaton while playing uh, first-person shooters. Oh, yeah, I bet. I really like the plotting cadence of this song. Yeah, it's very like it's got a good heft to it. Yeah, and I really like how the the verses like continue the story. Like the second night in the darkest hour, the Kriegsmarine appears again. Mm-hmm. And my favorite one was "To Their Own Shore Came the World War." Yeah, I really like that one. My favorite was "And on the Quietest Night of the Darkest Hour, the Kriegsmarine appear." I really like this song. I gave it a 16. I gave it a 15.5. I really liked it too. Look at us in lockstep. It's always, it's always going to be in lockstep. Like there are some albums that we definitely have very different taste on, but so far this one's looking to be pretty Pretty synergistic. Yeah. So then we get into a song that is also kind of, (laughs) it's a little out of left field and I can understand why. This one gets some controversy just because it's talking about a very controversial subject, which is uh, anything to do with Israeli politics. Yeah, literally anything. 
All right, so this one's really hard to summarize, but this is about the Six-Day War in 1967, when Egypt, Jordan, and Syria basically formed a coalition against Israel, and Israel crushed them within six days, even to the point of, like, blowing up the entire Egyptian air force in a single day and, like, taking over the Sinai, and probably most famously, most controversially, taking over Jerusalem. Like, the impact of this war is very, very fresh. Like, this is, this is, I think, the beginning of Israel really becoming a, a very significant power in that region. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, there's still impacts to that today because you got the Palestinian situation. So, very relevant. And I think, I think this is, this is not a type of song Sabaton would record nowadays. No, no, I don't. Yeah. Like, um, there are some fabulous lyrics in this because, like, obviously, mm-hmm. Israel based or uh, related deeply to the Hebrew faith mm-hmm. and nationality and or no, the Hebrew nationality, the Jewish religion. Right. Um, just to make sure all of our uh, our T's are crossed. Um, right. So with that comes a doctrine of the Sabbath day. Yes. And as Seventh Day Adventist folk with that background. Uh-huh. Um, I'm sure you appreciated my favorite lyric, six days of fire, one day of rest. Yeah, that was my favorite. So, <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, within the Jewish religion and also within uh, Seventh-day Adventism and other religions, so six days was supposed to be the work week, and the seventh day, which is Sabbath slash Saturday, is the day of rest where you don't do any work. So it really fits kind of the, the thing of the war where it's six days of fire, one day of rest. Mm-hmm. And this would make an incredible Evangelion AMV. It would. Oh, a side note here. So this is also the war that started what's known as the Big Lie, which was, well, it was actually America that beat us because they sent all their planes. And America actually didn't get involved because this was right during the middle of the Cold War. So they were worried about everything was about let's make sure we don't get into a nuclear conflict with the Soviet Union. So Mm. because the Soviet Union had supplied weapons to those Middle Eastern countries, America was more like, yeah, you know, we'll step in later, you know, deal with the ceasefire, you know. Mm. But I really Makes like sense. the energy. I really like the energy of this song. I think it's yeah. kind of fun energy. Which, I give it a fifteen and a half. I give it a fifteen as well. Excellent. <clears throat> All right. So why don't you lead us out in the next one? Stalingrad. Uh, yeah, I I know the uh, historical context to this one. So we're talking World War Two. Um, mm-hmm. There were multiple fronts. Obviously, the uh, Nazis are creeping into Russia. Mm -hmm. Like having some decent progress, but they hit a stone wall in the capital of Stalingrad, named after the uh, infamous Stalin himself. And the way I've heard it said in history classes is that taking Stalingrad was a huge point of emphasis for Hitler because it had Stalin's name and he was a man Mm -hmm. of like intense pride. Yeah. So they threw an insane amount of resources at Stalingrad. And it still refused to fall because Russia just had too much fortification, too many bodies in there. Yeah. And also, so with my notes and my notes, this battle lasted from about late 1942 until 1943 and saw the deaths of 1.2 million people. So the biggest city battle in history. Yeah, in history. An insane like loss of human life. 
And the way the Soviets won, ultimately, is they were able to hold enough the city and keep the Germans pinned down so then two army groups could do a pincer move and encircle the German forces in it. And I just have to That's give the name of this operation tactic. because this operation is called Operation Uranus. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, a couple other notes about the song. I really love the symphony yes. in it. Like, that's super epic and awesome. I like the slower bridge. Mm-hmm. I love the dark feel of this song and yeah. how there's there's elements of it. Like, this isn't my favorite lyric, but the one, they're praying to the god that your country denies, kind of referencing the Soviet Union's, like, official policy of atheism, but they couldn't really, yeah. like, fully crush religion. I thought that was an mm-hmm. interesting note. What was your favorite lyric? My favorite lyric was, our violins, our guns conducted from hell. Yeah. My favorite was, the sound of the mortars, the music of death, were playing the devil's symphony. Hmm. And a side note here, I think Sabaton does a pretty good job of not necessarily glorifying war in their songs. They do a good job of, like, saying, like, yeah, like, there might be cool stories, but, like, it's still hell. Yeah, yeah, it's still, like, awful for, like, from, like, a human standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, score wise, I gave this a 15.5. I liked it. Yeah, I liked it, too. I gave it a 16.5. Man, we're almost, like, only a half a point or a point off with all of these. That is nice. On the bleeding edge. Yep. So that, then we take another, like, this is another song that you wouldn't expect from Sabaton, a Vietnam song. Yeah. Yeah. This Man. song is probably the second Sabaton song that I got into. That is interesting. That's um, not, that's not one of their, that's not considered one of their hits. That's interesting. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's interesting because, like, it's, it's definitely one of those that, like, I would love to hear live, but I, probably won't hear live unless we didn't hear it live that one time did we no we did not no yeah but um that like they they hit a bunch of the songs i wanted them to hit but this was probably like the major one that i was like man i would have loved to hear the song but understand because it's it's the vietnam war it's not like it's not like in the public headspace um mm-hmm. but uh yeah like this is this song kind of like overall like recaps like the vibe of being in the vietnam war as opposed to like more specific history so like, mm-hmm. yeah, this war was terrible. It was literally like being in like a boiling fire. Yeah. And especially referencing the napalm strikes, because napalm, obviously a very dev- deadly incendiary. And there's many like classic pictures of just people being burned alive by the napalm mm-hmm. strikes. But I think the one thing about Vietnam that was different is because it wasn't really a war to like Take certain amounts of land. It was a it was a war. To, it was a war of purely of attrition and war purely of bodies. Like America's strategy was, well, if we just kill enough of them, eventually we'll win, and that did not yeah. work. Oof. Yikes! Because ultimately, because of what we didn't real well, we realized this, but the Vietnamese have been fighting their independence since the forties, so they're not going to give up. You know, no. if, if you're going on that long, you're not going to give up. So yeah. This is also a war, I think, that has long-term political consequences, because the fact America lost this, I think, informs a lot of the conservative politics that came out in the 80s and even today. Mm-hmm. Got this desire for America to prove itself again, prove its masculinity. Yeah, like, y- you can make a big argument that the whole, like, make America great thing, like, started, like, after the Vietnam War. Because it's like, oh, yeah, we were mm-hmm. in World War II, like, badasses, but then we got our butts handed to us. yeah. It seems, yeah, Vietnam is still, like, we're still living in the shadows of the 70s, the reactions to it, you know, because people yeah. still talk about the sex revolution and even things like, uh, you know, Roe v. Wade and its overturn. Yeah. Like, all that's based in the 70s, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah. 
to the song. Um, some notes. Go the, ahead. the song itself, like I love the opening and that opening guitar riff. It's oh, so, it's so good. good. I love how wild the song is. Uh huh. This is the most visceral song on the album. Mm, I really love the riffs. My favorite lyric was "This fight, no man will live to tell." My within me, my blood starts to boil. Ooh, mine one goes well with that. I feel my fire start to burn. The heat controlling my mind. Napalm, it's burning us alive. Within mm. me, the beast's final roar. Yeah, it also reminds me a little bit of some of those rock songs from the 70s, which is probably the vibe they were going for, like Fortune mm-hmm. Son. Like, So what score yeah. did you give Into the Fire? I gave this one a 19. I love this song. Nice. I gave it a 15. Really good song. And then we we slow down a little bit. We take it a little mm-hmm. easier with a Purple Heart. So this is about an, a, a reward that's given to uh, <coughs> soldiers who are wounded, in battle, or what, or posthumously to those who were killed, and it specifically yeah. in America, and it first began in World War One. It's mm-hmm. a little bit more feelsy than the rest of the album. What would you? Yeah, think it of? is. Yeah, it was. It's a very somber song, but a very moving song too. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's a nice song. I don't think it quite has the juice of some of the other softer songs. They, yeah. you, we can. They can write feelsy songs like Christmas Truce or uh, Balladable. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. What was your favorite lyric? Uh, my favorite lyric was "Heart of the Brave cannot bring me back to life," that which I thought too. was really interesting because, like, Sabaton doesn't critique war like overtly often, so it was interesting to see them do it in a song about purple hearts. Yeah, for sure. They kind of just let it talk for itself, but every once in yeah. a while they give it a little something like that. But yeah, this song was okay. I gave it an eleven overall. What'd you give it? Yeah, I gave it a twelve. Yeah. Oh, Metal Machine. But now, now. now let's get into some wild stuff. All right, all right, all right. So, what well, first reaction Metal Machine, Curtis? Um, This was definitely another one of the early ones that like I heard from uh, Sabaton. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, I have to tell the story of how the song was written. So, they were writing the first album, and they had written, like, they, like a lot of bands, they write, like, the instrumentation first and add the lyrics later. So Joachim realized a few minutes before the album was finalized, like, they're about to send it in, that he forgot to write lyrics to the last song. <laughs> so what he did, he's like, well, I needed to take a massive shit. So I sat on the <laughs> toilet, and I wrote the lyrics on a piece of toilet paper with a cardboard beer crate for support. And the way the way he came with the lyrics was there was a metal magazine. He just picked it up and just looked at metal band titles. And oh, that's awesome! I have to read this. I have to read this quote. I sat down to ponder the lyrics so my stomach did its own dance of death. <laughs> oh, that's just stories behind songs don't get better than that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and like. I don't know if it's every time in concerts, but like he's been known in concerts to get up on the stage and say, this song is about my penis. Yeah. They're, they just <laughs> have such fun energy. Like my favorite lyric is, come touch my metal machine. <laughs> <laughs> my my favorite lyric is, guns scare me shitless. I love guns, my friend. <laughs> it's just such a fun song. Like I love when bands can just write really goofy songs that are still like really fun to listen to. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Not a lot to say about this one. I gave it an 18. I thought this one was great. Yeah, I, I gave it a 16 and a half. It's super fun. 
Ooh, but now we have the final song, which this song you can tell this is this was an early extra song. Oh man, like all right, of all the things on a Sabaton album, Brad, I was yeah. not expecting a Satan song. I know it's just about he, he works for Satan. Apparently, he's got a shotgun and he's coming for you. The lyrics are ripped straight out of a Tenacious D song. Yes, they are. Like but it's that got intro, that intro bops. It does. And I, I, I'm Satan's number one. I mean, that's a funny lyric. I got to give it yeah. to him. And of course, my favorite lyric was, I'm bringing out the shotgun. <laughs> so it, one thing that's funny is I was watching one of those YouTube videos where they do like a Google interview where they look up Google questions about themselves. And one of them was, do they serve Satan? And he says, no, we do not serve the Dark Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's such a Yoakim answer. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not a bad song, but it's a fun song. Um, yeah, what would you give this final song? I gave it a fourteen point. Uh, no, actually, I gave it a fifteen, and even fifteen. I was like, nice. a rock. I gave it a thirteen. Not bad. Nice, man. These are some really high scoring songs. Yeah, say. I'll say so. All right, so from top to bottom, we got Purple Heart with eleven point five, Reign of Terror thirteen, Shotgun fourteen, Panther Battalion fourteen point seven five. Counter Strike 15.25, Wolf Pack 15.7, Stalingrad 16, and the top three, we got Into the Fire with 17, Metal Machine 17.25, and Primo Victoria with 18.5. Pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. That's a good batch right there. So, what overall thoughts, Curtis? What you got for us? Yeah, overall thoughts. Um, like, after I listened to it initially, I was like, okay, that was a solid album. I felt like there was some that were more memorable than others. But, like, reflecting back on it with you, I feel like I have a lot stronger opinion mm-hmm. on the album. Because, like, there's a lot of good stuff in this album. Like, it's not – it's no, like, um, uh, what the – the Carlos Rex. One, yeah, it's no Carlos Rex or the uh, Great War. No. But – it is like pretty high quality from like a pure album standpoint. Yeah. Um, the riffs are good. There's some funny, silly experimental songs that I think only kind of adds to the charm. I think so. And there's not, there's not that many like momentum killing songs. No, like it's a fairly short album. And I think as their mm-hmm. introduction for historically themed power metal, it has some really bangers, good bangers. Now the sound is a bit more muted than newer stuff, but there's a reason Primo Victoria remains on pretty much all their set lists from what I can see. Yeah. And I, I really like how they dipped into various interests. They kind of were experimental with the topics they chose. Like, oh, let's take a little mm-hmm. bit from modern, a little bit from World War II, a little bit from everywhere. And I think mm-hmm. despite having some growing pains, it's almost a lot of fun. And this sounds it, it, like the live the live songs on this album also sound really good. And you can tell that they just, they really have a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. So, okay, score-wise, I'm thinking somewhere in the low 80s. What are you thinking, Curtis? I, I was actually thinking around 75 for me. Mm, mm. I think it, it's got some bangers. It's got some good consistency. But it's not an album that I necessarily will return to a lot sure. to listen to as an album. Okay. So how about, okay, I have 75. I'm going to give it a 78 is my final score. Where is that put? Cool. All right, so 75. 78. That's a 76.5 total. Yeah, 76.5. That puts it just below Divisive and just above Got Your Six. That seems okay for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's see. Yeah. This is Primo Victoria. Yeah. 
Primo Victoria. All right, so um, we have talked before about how we are going to switch up our podcast schedule a little bit, right? Yes, yes. Um, we're, we're going to take the Two Dudes Ranked Tunes podcast down in terms of frequency. We're still going to do it once a month because mm-hmm. we really enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, but we're going to start doing a Game of Thrones podcast where yes. we react to one episode per week, kind of do a nice, slow, sensual burn yes. to the show. And we're yeah, really excited so, about that. Yeah, and I'll be but, posting the first episode of that soon for those who are. But, I, but uh, what I thought would be fun is if we still tease the next album that we're going to review. And I believe I like it's that. my turn. It is but your turn. My, but before it's my turn, since it's going to be a while before you hear from the two dudes drink tunes, I thought we'd go over the full list of our okay. rankings. Well, yeah, let's do albums. it. I like All that. Right, let's so, do it. So, special note. I have the two EPs kind of separated out that we did that one time. Mm, we that gave was fun. No, we gave Nowhere Generation 2 a 420 out of 500. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dang score, bro. I'd say that score's got the riz. <laughs> <laughs> it's got the riz. And then we gave Desperate Measures by Hollywood Undead a 52.5 out of 500. That did not have that dog in it. <laughs> <laughs> Which evens out to about 10. <laughs> oh that oh, that, that 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 was talk. awful we got to do another ep okay uh, quick question do you think which is worse that ep or uh or a uh, deuce's album oh deuce by far like yeah desperate yeah. measures has some songs that i actually like exactly um, but speaking of which let's go from bottom to top on the proper full-length albums mm-hmm. at the bottom we have nine lives utter gutter trash with a zero that album is indefensible, yep. and it sucks. And yep. it sucks the life out of you. It cancels your soul. Next up, we have Mainstream Sellout by MGK, which, okay, if we're being real, this is the most like biased score that we have, because me and Brad just don't like MGK, but there are a lot of people yep. who do, and there are a lot of people who would give it like an 80. So. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but, th- but this is our podcast, and we are the gobs. And there are some people who like Deuce for some reason. I don't know why, but there are people who like him. Yeah. Next up, we have Casting Crowns by Casting Crowns with a 41.5. That is a jump. That is a jump. (laughs) No 30s or 20s. Oh, maybe one day. Yep. Next, we have Nightmare Revisitess by Various. And, uh, that's a 59 because uh, that album is like three hours long and has some bangers, but it is a grind to get through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then we have Awake by Skillet sitting at a 60.5. Yeah. And uh, it starts with like five bangers in a row and then it just turns into complete and utter shit. Yep. Awful garbage. Just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> um, then we have Montero by Lil Nas X. Perhaps we treated it too harsh. Perhaps. Maybe a review review. And... At, a, at a 61 out of 100. Um, this is the second. This is a two pack of, of albums coming up where, like, I really liked it and Brad was like, no. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> I don't think I will. Which, I mean, there have been other albums where I haven't liked it as much as Brad. So yep. we kind of oscillate. Next mm-hmm. is In Loving Memory by by uh, Black Bear with a 62. Mm-hmm. You know, I really liked it. Brad was like, mid. Eh, 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 eh. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, then we have the poster child for We Treated Too Harshly. Down here on Planet Zero. <laughs> by, um, uh, by, of course, Shine Down. And there are some really good songs on that. There album. are. There are. And uh, we still roasted it over an open fire because it was like our third album and we didn't really have like quite the balance in place yet. Yeah, yeah. And plus, it was the first album that like had a controversial topic that we didn't necessarily agree with. So This is true. Um, next up we have Burning Earth by Firewind, <laughs> which is the one that we always forget we reviewed. Yeah, I do. Uh, 65. That's about right. Mm-hmm. Then we have Baby Metal by mm-hmm. Baby Metal with yep. a 66. And while there are some really fun ones, um, it is not a fun album album. No, it's too long. Then we have Supersonic Songs by Crush 40. What a wild experience that was to record. It's like an hour and a half. I gave like three songs a 20, but still I was like, yeah, that's a that's a rough listen all the way through. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then we have Omens by uh, mm-hmm. Lamb of God, yep. their new album. And, uh, you know, like it's not necessarily my thing, but uh, it was definitely an interesting listen. Yeah, yeah, I would say it's definitely probably pushed down a little bit in my rankings, but, you know, yeah. it, it is what it is. Yeah. Next, we have Marvelous by Young ah, Gravy. Marvelous. And um, I think it's fair to say that Young Gravy is best digested in singles and not mm-hmm. in albums. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it just gets a little repetitive. Yeah, but but that album was, was fun to review. It just got a little repetitive, like you said. Um mm-hmm. With a step out of 68.5. Then we have Momentum by Toby Mac. Mm. Possibly the most fun album to record. To that record album was amazing. <laughs> it was. Like 68.75 on, on the streets, but 100 in the sheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's, we're riding on that J train, baby. Yeah. Then we have Deceivers by, okay, what was the band? Arch Enemy. Arch Enemy. Arch, Arch Enemy, that's right. With a 69. Um, a very unique band uh, mm-hmm. with some great, some great fun vocals, female-led death metal. Yes, very heavy, super fun. Then we're into the seventies. We got mm-hmm. Turtle Neck and Chain. Turtle, Turtle Neck, Neck and Chain. Chain. Another one that's fun. Yeah, a Lonely Island. Yeah, yep. Another fun one, but gets a little old. You know, the joke yeah. is old. Yeah, better consumed in singles. Mm-hmm. Seventy-two and a half. Um, then we have Scripted by Icon for Hire, which has some high highs, some low lows, overall the really fun early 2000s type album. Mm. 72.55. <laughs> We're getting into some wild scores now. Then we have Kamikaze by Eminem with a 73.5, yeah. which is another one where like I was a lot higher on it, but I was at least appreciative to Brad that he didn't rank it lower. Yeah, you know what's funny is I lo- I ra- I looked up some of these albums on like uh, Rank Your Music and like man, Kamikaze got roasted by people. Eminem fans must have hated that one. So people didn't like Kamikaze. No, first I think it was just because like Kamikaze was like him complaining about people not liking the previous record, so that led to a lot of fans disliking it. That's fair. Yeah. So what we got next? Uh, let's see. Then we got Got Your Six by Five Finger Death Punch, which is one that we were surprised by. Yep. Good album. 
Very good album. Then we have Primo Victoria, as we just talked about, 76.5. Mm-hmm. Then we have Divisive <laughs> with a 77, which still feels perfect for that album. It does. It really does. Like, that's all, <laughs> that album is a perfect C+. Yep. Then we have The Nexus by Amaranth, which uh, is, is top-heavy, like some of the other albums mm-hmm. on here. Um, then we have 1X with a 77.5, which is kind of disgraceful. Too, too fucking low! <laughs> too damn low! Um, then we have a tie, our most controversial tie, maybe mm-hmm. our only tie left, between post-human so. survival horror by um, Bring Me the Horizon mm-hmm. and the final door by that Zelda band. What is their Master, name? Master Sword. Master, Master Sword. Sword. Both with a 78.5. And here's the thing. I want to re-review both of those albums in a special episode at some point. Yes, I agree. That'd be fun. Um, then we have The Sickness by Disturbed with a 79. Feels about right. Yep. Then Hotel California oh, yeah. with Hollywood Undead with a 79.1, which I I am higher on, but I understand the Hollywood Undead curves. Like uh, it's a curve. It's a curve. Quality-wise, people have different opinions. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. Then we have "Phenomenon" by TFK, Thousand Foot Crutch. Very fun album with a seventy-nine point five. Mm-hmm. Consistent, but not a lot of top-tier twenties. No. Um, then we have "Transit of Venus" at an eighty-two. Three Days Grace, our uh, makeup album for uh, how we treated One X. Mm-hmm. A really unique vibe. That that whole yes. album is a vibe. Mm-hmm. Then we have The Great Heathen Army by Amon Amart. Oh, and a half. It's just a fun album, you know? Vikings. Good stuff. Then we have Children of the Great Extinction by uh, Becoming the Archetype, which was probably the most interesting album from a, con- from a conceptual standpoint. That was yeah. so talk about. Just the fact that they were able to set up this space odyssey that still had kind of religious elements, but wasn't like beating you over the head with it. Yep. 83.3. Mm-hmm. And then we have As Daylight Dies by Killswitch Engage with an 83.4. I really enjoyed kind of dipping my toes into Killswitch Engage. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Then we have Notes from the Underground, Hollywood Undead with an 83.5. Too damn low. <laughs> Light it uh, up. Then we're getting into some real top tier ones that we both agreed on. We have yep. Brave Enough by Lindsey Sterling with a hard 85. It's exactly where she deserves. Yep. Another album that's an absolute amazing vibe. Then we have Somewhere on the Other Side. On oh, the Side of Nowhere. Who would have thought Power Man 5000 would be so high? I know, right? 86. That is, and I, I still agree with it. I stay in I agree. Yeah, I do too. Really good album. Then we have Ever After by Marianas Trench, featuring our lovely friend Josh, guest starring. He should come back. He totally should. For another Marianas Trench album, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 87.49. Then we have Great War with an 87.5 and a fantastic Sabaton album. Yes. Then we have In the Court of the Dragon by Trivium with an 88.9. Really good album mm-hmm. as well. First, my first real dipping my toes in the Trivium, and I really like what they got. They've got a very unique sound. Yep. Then we have Immortalized with an even 89 by Disturbed. Yeah. Good one. 
definitely one of the more underrated albums in the grand scheme of things. Then we have top five, and we talk about these pretty often, so I'll just run through them. We have Endgame by Rise Against at a 90. Yep. Indestructible by Disturbed at a 90.25. Suffer mm-hmm. in the Witness with a 90.5 by Rise Against. Asylum by Disturbed with a 93. And number one, Holden Strong, our album of the year so far. Techno by Electric Callboy with a 95. <laughs> Will they ever be dethroned? No, they got the moves. They got, they got the moves. The moves. <laughs> All right, so Brad... The next album we will be reviewing, I will be picking. And since this podcast is going long, um, I'll just tell you. Okay, what we got? It is Art Pop by Lady Gaga. Oh, okay. Now, this will be a, definitely a change of pace. This is our first, like, legitimately pop album we reviewed. Yep, yep. No R&B, just pop. And uh, there's going to be a little bit of sauce, let's just say that. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, everyone. And stay tuned for that Game of Thrones podcast. I'll be tweeting about it on the Two Dudes Rank Tunes Twitter. And I'll probably be making a, a new Twitter account for it just to sort of get things rolling. So just be, be on the lookout for that. And thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brother Cooper. And I'm Curtis Cooper. Stay ranking. Rank.